let's start with prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you uh, for this day. Thank you for this semester, uh, for all these students here. God, I pray that as we look at your word today, that we'd be encouraged and edified and built up and that we would see the glory of the gospel and the glory of Christ. So we pray that you'd be with us in that. Amen. Well, good morning, guys. Uh, super thankful to be here and excited for the opportunity to open up God's word. Uh, and that's what we're going to do. So if you would, please open to the book of Romans. And we're going to be looking at chapter 3 and verses 21 through 26. So as you turn there, uh, the first thing I want to do is just give some introductory comments on this passage. The first thing that I want you to understand is that for the Apostle Paul, who is the author of this letter, the contents of this passage form the heart of Christian theology. I'm going to explain that. You see, when, when the Apostle Paul opens this book, he gives us a hint at what his ministry is primarily devoted to. He opens the letter by identifying himself as an apostle of Jesus Christ who is set apart for the gospel of God. That is Paul's purpose. His life has been set apart by God for the purpose of making known the saving work of God in the person of Jesus Christ. And as Paul says in chapter 1 verse 16, it is this message of the gospel which carries with it the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. That's why Paul is so devoted to this message, because it is the message which God has given him to preach, and it is the message through which, to this day, God is reconciling the world to himself. So it is imperative that we understand the contents of this gospel message. And the reason I say that is because when it comes time for the Apostle Paul to explain the contents of that gospel message in his letter to the Romans... The passage that we're looking at today is what, is what comes forth. It is the gospel according to the Apostle Paul. And everything in this, in this passage, in the book of Romans, has been building up to this point, And everything that comes after this passage flows from this point and from its implications. That is why uh, this is a passage that's been loved throughout church history. It's why Martin Luther said that this passage is the chief point of the book of Romans, and also of the whole Bible. Another commentator, Leon Morris, I think he puts it well. He said that this is, quote, possibly the most important single paragraph ever written. It is one of the clearest and most profound explanations of the gospel, of the saving work of Jesus Christ. So with that, I want to read the passage, starting in verse 21. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness, because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time, so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. That is God's word for us today. Now, as we want to understand this text, I think there are a few things to establish before we can really properly do so. First of all, we need to understand what is the context of the passage. 
And secondly, what is the, the main point or the main proposition of the passage? Now, contextually up to this point, uh, well, well, what's led up to this point, this, this passage forms kind of a shift in the flow of the letter. Up until this, the, the main theme of the letter has been the universal nature of human sin and the absolute inability of human beings to establish themselves as righteous before God. To put that another way, the point is that all human beings have sinned against God and are therefore unable in themselves to have a right standing with him. We are unable to live up to God's standard of perfect righteousness and therefore all, without, without distinction, are underneath the condemnation of God. Now this message is devastating to any form of works-based salvation or works-based righteousness. And by putting all people into this category, Paul eliminates any hope of salvation by law or salvation by works. If we are to have salvation, it cannot be from us and it cannot be earned by us. It must come from God and it must be given to us by God's grace. And that is the shift that we find in our passage. Paul, Paul shifts from first exposing the unrighteousness of men to now in our passage proclaiming the divine gift of the righteousness of God which comes through faith in Christ. And that is the main point of our passage. Paul has just declared that all humans are incapable and unable to achieve righteousness in themselves. And so now Paul points us to a righteousness from God that is outside of us and that which God freely gives to us and a righteousness that is able to make us stand before him without spot or wrinkle, holy and blameless in his sight. So here's the big idea for the passage. Here's what I want you to take away just in summary form. It's this. In Christ, God provides the righteousness which he requires. In Christ, God provides the righteousness which he requires. And then underneath that, I'm going to have two points. The first one is that this righteousness is given as a free gift. And secondly, this righteousness was purchased at a costly price. So the first one, point one, this righteousness is given as a free gift. Now, I mentioned already that this passage is, is a transition in the letter. And this passage has an underlying theme that Paul is going to build on afterwards. Uh, and and the, the theme that, that it begins in this passage and continues is, is on the doctrine of justification. And just to make that simple, that this is what it means. Paul wants to show how it is that sinners can be justified before God. To say that another way, Paul is explaining how it is that a sinner can be declared to be righteous by God. That's what justification means. It's, it's really a legal term. And it means to be in a position of right standing with God. Now, oftentimes, when we think about salvation and justification, we often think solely in the terms of forgiveness of sins. 
And that's not necessarily wrong, but it's a little bit deficient. We only think about, to put it this way, we think about the cancellation of our negative debt. But biblically, the doctrine of justification doesn't just include the canceling of the negative, but it also includes the declaration of a positive righteousness. It's not only to be counted not guilty before God, but actually to be counted righteous. That's what it, that's what it means to be justified. That's what we have in Christ. And now what I want to do is just to work through this passage, kind of verse by verse. And we're going to look at how the Apostle Paul, first, he gives a positive statement of this doctrine of justification. And then he shows us, and this is an important question, he shows us the basis by which God can make this declaration. So I'm going to start uh, verse 21, and we're going to go through it. So Paul starts, he says, But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. So a few things from that. As I said already, the righteousness which we need and which has been manifested to us in Christ is the very righteousness of God himself. You see, the standard by which God will judge the world is his own perfect righteousness. He will not judge based on a standard of human goodness or human morality or or human perception. He will judge by the standard of his own perfect nature. And now when you, when you understand that, you'll understand that a, a message that says that you just need to try harder or that you just need to do better is not just deficient, but it's completely unbiblical. Paul doesn't say you need to try harder. He says that you have utterly failed that you have no righteousness of your own, and therefore you must seek righteousness which is outside of yourself. And the righteousness that we need, which God will judge by, is, is absolutely perfect conformity to the holiness of God, and that is the righteousness of God that, that has been manifested to us by God and which can be found for us in Christ. Now, secondly, this righteousness comes to us, at the end of the verse, it comes to us apart from the law. Now, when Paul says that, what he's referring to is the Old Testament law, which was given through Moses. You could think of the Ten Commandments. And now the problem here is that Paul's not saying that there's something wrong with the law. Later in Romans, he says that the law is holy and is good. But the problem is that we cannot have righteousness through the law. And the reason we can is, is, is really twofold. First of all, we can't have righteousness through the law because we cannot keep the law. There's not a problem with the law. There's a problem with the people trying to keep the law. And secondly, the law was never given in order to save anybody. That was never the purpose of the law. The law wasn't given so that we could be justified by the law. Um, but actually, if you look, at, look up at verse 20, the law was given actually not to save anybody, but to condemn everybody. To, to silence the whole world before God. So the law was never given to be a, a solution to the problem of sin, but it was given to demonstrate the problem. It was given to expose sin as sin and actually to drive us to a righteousness which is found apart from the law. Now that is not a New Testament teaching. That is found throughout the whole Bible. And that's what Paul says in the second half of verse 21. He says that this righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and prophets bear witness to it. Now, when Paul says the law and the prophets, 
he is referring to the entirety of the Old Testament. That's a common way, a common euphemistic term to describe the Old Testament. And to say that the law and prophets bear witness to this righteousness which is by faith is to say that the Old Testament is teaching nothing different than what Paul is teaching now. You see, the Old Testament doesn't have one way to be righteous, which is the law, and then the New Testament has another way to be righteous, which is by faith in Christ. Paul is saying that the message of justification by faith is the teaching not just of the New Testament, but it is the teaching of the Old Testament as well. There is only one way of salvation, and that way has always been the same. There is only one way to be righteous in God's sight. And in verse 22, Paul tells us that way. So the righteousness which the whole Bible proclaims is this, verse 22, the righteousness of God which is through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. The righteousness of God is what we need to stand before him. And this righteousness comes to us through faith in Jesus Christ and it belongs to all who believe. It is through faith alone in Christ alone. Now, one thing that you need to understand about faith is that faith is meaningless apart from its object. It is not faith in ourselves. It is not faith in our good works. It is not faith in our Christian maturity. This is a type of faith that does, that does not look inwardly at all. It is faith that looks outwardly at Christ and is completely dependent on him. There's a hymn that puts it really well, Rock of Ages, says this, Nothing in my hands I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. It is an outward faith in Christ. It is a faith that is dependent on its object. Let's keep going. Verse 23, For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and are justified by his grace as a gift. Now when Paul says the glory of God, he is referring to the sum of his attributes and the perfection of God's character. It is that same infinite standard of righteousness that no fallen human being can attain, obtain and without which nobody can stand before him. It's really a summary of what Paul has already said, which is, in ourselves, we can have no righteousness. Now, right before Paul says that, he says that there is no distinction. What does he mean by that? That means that all, without exception, have fallen short of God's standard, and therefore, uh, if we continue that in verse 24, whoever is to be saved is to be saved in the same way, without distinction. And the only way in which we can be saved, regardless of who we are, is verse 24 which is that we are justified by the grace of God as a gift. There's no other way in which men can be saved than as a gift from God that comes from his grace. That's how we can be justified. As a gift, that means that it cannot be earned in any way. In chapter 4, later, Paul contrasts the difference between a gift, which is given freely, and a wage which is earned and is given to whom it is owed. So chapter 4 starts this way. It's looking at the story of Abraham. He says this, 
What then shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, then he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. And to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. My friends, here is the greatest message that you will ever hear. God justifies the ungodly. And he does so as a free gift. To the one who believes in Jesus, his faith is counted as righteousness. So that's the first point. The righteousness of God is given as a free gift to all who have faith in Jesus. Now the second point. The second point was this, that that this righteousness was purchased at a costly price. Now at this point you should be asking yourself a really important question, and it's this. How is it that God can justify the ungodly? How can God declare the sinner to be righteous? On what basis can a holy God do this? And that is the question that I think, I think Paul answers for us and he points to. If we continue in verse 24, we are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Now the word here that is translated redemption is a word which, which in Paul's day was used in reference to the slave market. And it referred to the act of ransoming or purchasing the freedom of a slave. It is liberation by, by, the, by, by the purchase of, of a ransom price. And now what you need to realize from that is this. If you are in Christ, your justification comes to you as a free gift, but it is a gift which was purchased at a costly price. You are justified freely by grace and through faith, but the only reason that you can receive this freely is because someone else paid the price. And that that is Jesus Christ. Apart from him, we have no salvation and no righteousness. Now, what what is this price that Jesus paid? Verse 25. Still talking about Jesus. It says that, that God put him forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. Now, the word propitiation, we don't often use that today. But the idea that the word carries is that of an atoning sacrifice. That means that at the cross, God put forward Jesus as a sacrifice to make atonement for our sins, to bring reconciliation with God. And at the core of the idea of atonement in the Old Testament and in the New is the satisfaction of divine wrath. And to say that Jesus was put forth as a propitiation is to say that on the cross, he received in himself the righteous wrath of God that belonged to our sin. And that if he received that in himself, the good news for us is that we will never have to, if we have faith in Christ. 
Paul puts it simply elsewhere. He says that God, 2 Corinthians 5.21, he says that God made him who knew no sin, that is Christ, to be sin in order that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That means that on the cross, God the Father condemned Jesus as a sinner, as having committed our sin. So that if we are in Christ, he could declare us as righteous, as if we were sinless like Christ was. So Christ was treated as unrighteous so that we could be declared righteous by God. My friends, that means that if we are in Christ, the wrath of God has been extinguished on Jesus for our sin. And we can say with Paul in Romans 8 that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now to finish this passage and to to further answer the question which was posed earlier, which is how can God do this? I want to look at the end of verse 25 and verse 26. So verse 25, it says Christ was put forward as a propitiation. Uh, The next sentence says that this was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. Verse 26, it was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Now that question, how can God do this? What is the basis for it? That is one of the greatest questions in the Bible. How is it that God can be righteous and just and yet he can justify the ungodly? How how can God be righteous and just and yet be loving and gracious toward his sinful people? And the answer to that question and the only answer that holds together the character and the nature of God is the cross of Christ. It is only through the substitutionary atonement of Jesus Christ that we find harmony between God's justice and his righteousness on the one hand and his love and his grace for his sinful people on the other hand. And that is good news for us. So in summary, because of Jesus Christ's perfect life and his substitutionary death, God has provided the very righteousness that he requires to all who have faith in Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for this good news of the gospel. We thank you for the righteousness which is by faith in Christ. God, we pray that in this we would see this great doctrine and and glorify you and exalt you, uh, that we would be unashamed of this gospel as Paul said that he was, and that we would rest in the righteousness that can be found in Christ alone. Amen.